0: The reason I came to Parliament was because I had spent two terms as a Waitaki District Councillor. So I was Councillor and then I was the Deputy Mayor and I, I enjoyed governance. For some reason I, it just really uh, resonated with me, uh, the community service aspect of it. Um, and so at the time, and the seat of Otago, it was Otago at the time was held by Labour and was held by David Parker, who had taken it off national. And it, it should be a blue seat. So, so I ran for Parliament. So it came out of community service, essentially.
1: You came into a party that was in opposition, but then the next term it was in government and then that was there for three terms, and then you've been in opposition. So you've really had a the range of, of experiences here in a way, haven't you?
0: I've had a bob each way, quite frankly. The, between five and eight, uh, the National Party was under Don Brash, and then John Key was building from a very low base, and arguably you can say that we've done exactly the same thing post the 2020 election. I really enjoyed um, our time in government. I was a minister for the last year of that, which was a huge, um, huge honour. And I relished it um, completely. I've never read so much material in my whole life, even though I always considered myself to be fairly hardworking. But it's a big job uh, and I was Um, really beginning to find my feet until 2017 election when, of course, we went out of power again.
1: What was it like to come into a party which was very male-dominated, you know?
0: It was quite different when I think back. It's interesting because I, I was the first female MP for Otago and then the newly created seat of Waitaki, obviously. But I never, ever, ever, ever felt as if I was in a lesser position for being a woman, even though I was representing crusty old farmers, you know. Um, Very male-dominated environment, was back then. Never felt that. I did feel it in Parliament here. I think I felt it not so much along the male-female line, but there is a certain confidence that comes with being uh, an MP... Um, over time, as you learn the craft and all this is all about being confident, for goodness sake, everybody's a Taipei, everybody's aggressive and stands their ground and all of those things. And you learn uh, as an MP as you go that that is the pattern which seems to develop because of the system, because of the adversarial system. And that can be a bit overwhelming when you first get in there because you think, oh my goodness what the heck is going on here? And then seven or eight years later, you go, "Mm, okay, yep. I too can stand up in the parliament and and belt out a decent general debate speech or really speak my mind on a bill, forcefully.
1: Because there's a lot of ego here as well, isn't there? Yeah,
0: you've got to be, you have got to be thick-skinned. You've got to, um, you've got to roll with the punches. You've got to be able to give it and take it. But it's got to, in my view, it's got to be above that line. There is a line, um, but you've got to be able to give as good as you get sometimes. we set up this way. The system is set up this way. Um, at the moment, we are His Majesty's loyal opposition. Uh, we are there to oppose the government of the day, and that's the way we set up.
1: Okay, now we've just been delivered a tea. You're a tea soak, Jackie, is that right?
0: Oh, shamelessly so. In fact, one of the happiest memories I have of this place, ironically, is when I was a minister, I had the most wonderful senior private secretary, and she would bring me cups of tea all the time. And she would bring me cups of tea. Um, She'd have a cup of tea in one hand and a huge pile of reading in the other, and she'd settle me down at my desk and say, there you go, minister. Um, So it's an abiding happy memory, and and I still retain the habit of, I just drink tea all day long.
1: You know, was it a shock to the system coming into the cutthroat world of national politics?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can remember the first couple of days when we arrived in Parliament in 2005 and walking around, we had the induction, walking around the Grand Hall, which is a Grand Hall, it's a beautiful, old, beautiful old hall, walking around that hall and then going for a walk along the corridors to have a look And literally, I was walking with with one of my new colleagues and I stopped and said, is this real, you know, are we really here? And that sense of wonder doesn't really go away. I still sit in the chamber sometimes and I look around at all the badges which are on the wall um, commemorating battles, Passchendaele, you know, Timor-Leste commemorating the soldiers who fought and died for New Zealand. And I think this is a really good place. Parliament is a really good place, and it's our job to maintain that and keep it that way.
1: You've been an assistant speaker for some time now. Uh, that's one of your roles. Being, being in the hot seat, as it were, you really get to see a lot about how the the place functions, but also, you know, I guess as well, maybe some of the dysfunctionality of it in, in terms of the Chamber.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very fair comment and fair reflection, and it is something that I think about a lot. I am full of admiration for the office of the Speaker. Um, I'm full of admiration for the clerks, who are the lawyers in the main who run and support the running of the House. Um, And why, why do I admire them? Because it's important that our democratic processes are protected. When I'm in the chair as a Speaker always in the back of my mind is can I keep this debate uh, focused on debating what's at hand and making sure in the limited way I have as a speaker, making sure that it is a good debate where all the different points of view are heard and we reserve our right to argue fiercely for what we believe in that chamber. And so my role is to allow for that debate by keeping people within the standing orders and using speakers' directions, which is a bit like the law of tort, you know, what, what decisions based on previous decisions and previous wisdom of speakers that have gone before
1: over the time you've been doing that, that role, do you think it's changed a bit? I mean, you know, sometimes it gets pretty raucous and you look like you enjoy it and you can have a laugh, which is good, because sometimes the kids need to be told to calm down, don't they? Sit on the mat.
0: <laughs> well, I, it, I guess it comes down to a matter of style. What I'm trying to do is have the trust of the house so that when I do need to rule, I only have to do it once. Um, I also believe that if you have a speaker who doesn't try to impose their will on the House, doesn't try to control the House, but understands that it is a place of free speech, we do have the privilege of the House, and that is a very important tenant of what we can do. There are things we can say in the House that we could not say outside the Houses of Parliament, and that's a very important tenet of free speech that we have to maintain. Having said that, what I find really difficult to sit through as a Speaker is when debate goes below the line and uh, members descend into a personal attack on other members. It distresses me, and I think as Members of Parliament we should work to be better than that. Um, so that we address the issues and not just indulge in personal attacks.
1: But is that a sign that Parliament is becoming more like what it's like externally in politics, where it is very fraught, it is very tribal? Are the lines between the two, have they become blurred?
0: No, I don't think so. You may care to talk about the the, um, significant protest we had last year. I think I think that has had less of an impact on 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 the debating in the Chamber as you might expect. I think I really do think there is triggers for people descending into what I would dare to say would be less quality debate, and that is when there is a very tribal issue being debated. Um, where party lines are very, very clear and very, very distinct and very, very different, and then I think the debate can descend into personal attack. What about that
1: uh, protest slash um, occupation of parliament grounds last year? I mean, that that was unprecedented, and I can't imagine it not having a bit of an impact on any MP. I
0: guess from the inside, where the MPs were uh, in session, for much of that protest and from the inside my perception of it is i was fearful i was i was threatened because we could see it the protesters were facing us you know we were in that unique position of we were looking out Well, we could look out the window because you know plenty of windows. We could look out the window at what was happening outside. So we had that view. So we could see their faces. And at times, there were very few, but they were the ones that have come to prominence who were very, very serious about causing harm, in my view. That's what I could see. And the place, the whole place, the whole parliament um, became... Armed and alert, and we were fearful that I was fearful not so much for my safety, I know I knew I was all right, but I was distressed at what I could see happening outside. We were facing an unprecedented physical threat, and I think that was where a, a line was crossed between citizens' right to come onto the Parliament precinct to have their say, but actually threatening to overtake Parliament. And I think uh, we we withheld that, in fact we kept going. When the um, fires were started out in the grounds, I was sitting in the chair presiding. We could smell the smoke coming into the chamber. Now we had no idea what was going on outside, we didn't know. We just knew that there, there was something violent happening, or we knew there was a fire somewhere. But I made the decision. I was sitting in the chair, and I thought, hmm, what am I going to do? Um, and I thought, OK, this is the Parliament. It is our job to keep going. So that's what we did. And in my mind, I was thinking, if somebody comes and tells me to stop, I'll stop. But until that time, we're going to keep going. So that's what we did.
1: What would you say are the biggest challenges that you've faced in in the course of your job? Or or what are some of the setbacks that you had to deal with?
0: Look, setbacks are part of the deal, right? The highs and lows are part of the deal. You come into Parliament representing your community. You're not really here to, to better your own achievements. You're here to represent your community. Um, so it, it would be wrong of me to start um, numerating the things I'm proud of and the things that I regret, because that just goes with the job. If I talk about challenges, the challenge in a large electorate means that I'm very time poor. That, that is why um, an MP who is fortunate as myself who gets the time ty- to decide the time that they're going to retire? Um, that decision for me was made on do I still have it in me to do it all? Because being a member of parliament is the hugest commitment you can make in your life. I've got um, a family, and I know every single Member of Parliament who retires says exactly the same thing. I need to reconnect with my family. I need to go back with my family. And and that is the absolute truth. Because being a member means that you commit yourself 100% to the role, to the job. It's not even a job. It's a role.
1: Are you sort of saying you lose yourself a bit or you lose your family, so to speak?
0: No, not lose. Neglect. Pure neglect. <laughs> You're just not there for them. So when I'm in Wellington, I'm in Wellington and I call home every night. If, sometimes I talk to my husband twice a day um, just to check in. How's it going? How's it going? You know, all of that. Um, my kids are the same. But when I'm in the electorate, I'm not staying at home because my electorate is so big. There's
1: a lot resting on you guys, huge pressure and a massive workload. So are there, are there ways that you know the system could be a bit easier on its MPs? Okay.
0: I think that is a matter of all of us deciding that we are going to behave honourably. Now I've been involved in the um, review of parliamentary culture over the last couple of years and I've come to the conclusion that we can change as many rules as we like, but I think we as members of parliament have to remember why we're here. and act honourably and respectfully towards each other and I think that might be helpful.
1: You recently had a bill, a member's bill, um, increasing penalties for biosecurity breaches and that's part of your conservation portfolio. I mean, you got it past the first reading, but it was defeated at the second reading. That was no surprise, I suppose, because you are an opposition MP.
0: I don't think it was. I think that um, bill was defeated because the advice the committee got was that giving extra powers to customs officers needed some more thought. I respect that. Um, I do respect their decision. Of course, I'm disappointed at it because I think it would have sent a very strong signal around our biose- need for biosecurity protections, but in that instance, um, I do respect the the decision of the committee that that it really needed a complete rewrite and oh, they didn't have the appetite for that. So, you look, you win some, you lose some, right? Um, I did did win a bill around increasing penalties for smuggling of native biodiversity. So it was around the green gecko, which is a beautiful, the jewelled gecko. It's a beautiful little gecko lizard um, and highly valuable and very tradable overseas. So I won won that one. Um, I did have a crack at Easter trading legislation and I had two members' bills which failed. And they failed across party lines. That's life. Some issues like Easter trading, they're just issues that you could take little bites at them. You can't overturn the world and get what you want in terms of Easter trading. I think you've got to understand that Parliament is a place which represents everybody in New Zealand, those who choose to be engaged. And so you've got to respect the different views brought by those MPs, even though you might disagree with them completely, completely disagree with what other parties or or members have to say. But you've got to respect that they also have a voice. So when you're putting up a bill as a member or as a government, but more as a member, you've got to understand that, nah, some people just aren't going to support it because they feel very strongly against it. And you've just got to understand that that's the art of politics, not claiming to be an expert in that, but it is part of the art of politics, is understanding that you've got to, as you say, pick your battles. Understand that some things just aren't going to fly.
1: Do you have any advice for, for fresh MPs, people coming in anew, or even those who are staying on?
0: I think just work hard. Work hard. Do your job properly. Turn up to select committee well-prepared. Get off your phones. <laughs> You know, we're good at multitasking, but it's, it's a job. You've got to be committed here. It's not a lark. It's not a career. Look at me, I'm wonderful. Gosh, here I am. It's not that. It's none of that.
1: But there must be a portion of MPs who are there for embellishing them, their own CVs, you know, another achievement.
0: Well, i tell you what, um, I've been in the game for 18 years, right, and I've never thought any of those things and I feel very satisfied when it comes time for me to stand aside. I will be very satisfied at the contribution I've made. I know why I'm here. Um, I'm here to serve my community and in parliament to serve parliament and it's worked for me. What now, what next for you? I don't have anything in place and it's not something that I even really want to talk about um, because what I I know I'm going to want and need to do is give myself a bit of time to unlearn what I have learnt. Maybe not unlearn, maybe that's the wrong expression. I need to be able to get over it. So I'm going to give myself, um, until probably Christmas I would think, ...to do that and then I've got a few things going on. Of course I have everybody does as they leave. Um, But first I think I need to um, get over the hangover of leaving... (laughs)